This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Brandon and again we are without our uh, our intrepid co-host Josh who is with baby. So I am now joined by guest host Ben Madison. Ben. Hey, <laughs> hey Brandon, thanks for having me. Uh thanks for being here. Uh in these times of need uh when co-hosts start having babies, we we need friends like you. Now Ben, I know you because you have been in my private money league for the last three years, and I have come to affectionately refer to you as the bridesmaid <laughs> because uh, you turns out you're a very gifted fantasy player, but you are also you also have a knack for coming in second place. Yeah, I um, I've got a um, what someone would describe as a uh, New York Mets like tendency to collapse in the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most most famously, you lost like in the final month to uh, Josh during a Villa QPR double game week. Oh and yeah, he... I, I really felt for you in that moment. Can <laughs> can you talk us through your your sort of emotions as as that was all falling apart? Well, I remember th- that was my first um, season actually playing fantasy Premier League, and. I think at that point I had gotten kind of cocky about it. <laughs> okay. And uh, I think there had, there had already been a double game week, and I had tried, you know, I'd heard all this buzz about the double game week coming up on um, Fantasy Football Scout, and um, and I stacked my team with the players, and it ended up being a huge dud. So for that game week, I was thinking, you know, like I'm not going to go with the flow here. I'm going to just stick with my guns with the guys who got me here. I don't think I brought in anyone who was having a double uh-huh. game week. Um, and then Josh completely destroyed me. <laughs> uh, and then, then last year you ended up coming in second in our head to head league to your brother of all people. So yeah. And that always stings just a little extra. 
But it looks like you're trying to make things right. So I was just looking at your team, Ben, and you currently have an overall ranking of 25,921, which is pretty massive right now early in the season. You must be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Well, I think the last game week, I you know, uh, it was a pretty low-scoring game week in general. And so I got lucky with, um, with that, that late Kozielny hand uh, – Semi goal, <laughs> <laughs> the hand of God, the hand of the French God from Lauren. Yeah, yeah and you know, finished with sixty eight points. That that is massive when the average was uh, what, only forty two. So you must have jumped uh, quite a distance. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you hear you know everyone else is um, you know kind of caught in the depths of um, rage, despair <laughs> about how things are going on. You're like, well. I'm feeling okay about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's still there's still a long ways to go. More importantly than your 25,000 ranking in the world, you're ranked 81st in the Hail Cheaters Super League. So uh, I, I think that's even even more of a massive achievement to be in the top 100 of the Hail Cheaters Super League. Would to, would you to, not agree? To be honest, that's the reason I play the game. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, so we have a quick update on Josh's baby, baby Quinn. Uh, I actually just saw Quinn this morning, and she is beautiful, doing lovely. Right. Uh, Josh claimed that she looks a little bit like Winston Churchill right now, <laughs> but like all, all infants, they they kind of don't look like anything. They look a little bit more like aliens than they do, than they do humans. So. Uh, we actually got some, uh, we've been having an outpouring of support for Josh in his time of new fatherhood on Twitter. FPL Thunshot asks, how's Josh's baby? Uh, Luke, I think I've already answered your question. Baby's good. Um, but then Josh, he, he had a couple questions for us, Ben, to answer here on the pod. Uh, and this is kind of turning into a FPL slash fatherhood podcast. Uh, so uh, I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, but so it is. So Josh actually asks a question for tonight's pod part one. Now that the baby Quinn is here, do I raise her as an arsenal fan or let her pick her own team? So I know if I know anything about you, Ben, I know you and your brother are crazy Argentina fans and that must, that must be something to do with, that's not a team that you pick. That's a, that's a family team. Yeah, yeah. Our 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 mom is from Argentina, and um, some of our you know favorite memories are from there. And so, watching you know before I started playing in this league, I was a sadly I just paid attention during the World Cup because uh, soccer was such an anxiety inducing <laughs> event for me. You know, it's exciting, but. I also have all these memories of, you know, my grandmother's crying because somebody fouled Gabrielle Batistuta and my mom is cursing, you know, things you can't repeat on a podcast about, you know, the English national team. <laughs> and it just felt like if Argentina didn't pull out, you know, whatever win, it was going to be the end of the world. And, right. you know, everyone I knew in that country was going to fall into a pit of depression. So I was happy that I only had to deal with that every four years. <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah. now you're, you're, you're continuing <laughs> your reputation of being always a bridesmaid. I mean, it's just been an absolute brutal couple of years for Argentina, you, uh, you know, losing in the final in the world cup and, uh, then losing again to Chile in the, uh, what is it you guys play down there? The uh, Copa America. Yeah, the Copa America. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was. Um, it's the second year in a row that I flew to Argentina uh, for the 
around the time of the Copa America final. And I didn't make it in time this last time. It happened while I was on the flight. But, you know, we had a, we had a good cup. You know, I get on the plane. As soon as I hit Buenos Aires, I, like, pull out my phone to check the game. And I read that Messi had quit the national team. And I thought, what the hell just happened? <laughs> that is what is referred to in video games as a rage quit. <laughs> and it was literally the only thing on the news for like the next two days when I was, you know, hanging out with my godmother in, in Buenos Aires. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, uh, Adam Jock, Adam Jacques on Twitter says, uh, to Josh specifically, 100% a gunner football is a family affair. So I think you'd agree with that, Ben. I mean, if you, if you had a kid, you would, I mean, hypothetically, I'm not trying to tie you to anything. I know you're like a confirmed bachelor for life then but if you had a kid would you would you be mindful of raising them as an argentina fan um it's not even that you would have to be mindful of it like it would just be (laughs) through osmosis right they'd see you getting crazy watching the tv and and so it would go yeah you know provided the, the kid wasn't traumatized from the experience of you know watching us watch an argentina game then i guess yeah maybe maybe receive that fandom as their their gift and curse (laughs) <laughs> have you adopted a premier league team in all in these years playing fpl you know i initially did um i didn't i was dating a girl who was a, a man a city fan at the time and um i didn't want to jump onto their bandwagon because they had just won the premiership it's a little obvious yeah yeah um and so i, I was looking at the teams and i decided i was going to become a newcastle fan I don't, you know, so I'm like, you know, they're, they're a team with some history who have fallen on some hard times. They're not very good. I can, you know, empathize with that. I'm used to rooting for teams who's, you know, who have story history that, you know, that are no longer doing so well. So it seemed like a natural fit. And literally, I have never spoken to another person who is a Newcastle fan. <laughs> so I figured it could be like my thing. <laughs> <laughs> they do exist. They do exist. The Toon the Army is out there. Yeah, yeah, because you know you go to um, the bars in New York where where people watch football, and you see a lot of Arsenal fans, Tottenham, you know Chelsea, Man U, obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've once seen a Newcastle kit anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- it sounds like we're in the same boat then. So you you were to support Newcastle, they went down. I'm a Fulham supporter, they went down. So we are just left here as uh, your. Your uh, podcast host, we have a sole devotion just to the FPL game, and uh, we don't get bogged down in in uh, team allegiances. There was a guy, I don't know if you ever met him then, he was in our mini league uh, for one season, his name was Jeremy. He was actually born on the Merseyside, and he oh. found it completely impossible to play FPL because he he just couldn't get himself to put... Eden Hazard in his squad. That was the season that Eden Hazard was PFA Player of the Year. Yeah, he just he just had these these deep seated loyalties that that made it impossible for him to make uh, separate that from his FPL decisions. Yeah, I think um, you you can say if you want to be uh, grandiose about it that we've transcended fandom, which is just a nice way of saying that our teams have been relegated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it does also help that you don't have any you know, rooting interests that conflict with each other. I, I find that that happens sometimes with, yeah. um, you know, with baseball. I'm a big Dodgers fan. And so, you know, if I have uh, in one of my fantasy baseball teams, somebody who's pitching against the Dodgers, I'm like, all right, give up exactly three runs to them, but not 
four, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so you find yourself rooting for a weird array of scenarios that really complicates the, the viewing experience of the game. All right, Ben. So since you're new to the podcast, you're new to our audience, and you've got a tasty little rank here of 25,921 overall, I thought Mm -hmm. it'd be fun just to quickly run through your team, do a little rate my team on your squad. How do you feel about that? Are you you trying to keep any secrets from anyone out there? (laughs) Are we going to blow up your spot if we just run through your team? No, I I don't think so. It's funny. you know, my roommate, Preeti, she also plays with us um, in the league. And usually one of the first things I'll do when I wake up in the morning is um, kind of run through different scenarios on on the, uh, the EPL Premier League site. And she always sees me, you know, futzing around with it and says that she can't believe how much time I spend working on this thing. So she, it's... Pre- uh, <laughs> yeah, Preeti has mentioned this to me as well, Ben. She she swears every time she turns around, you're on the FPL <laughs> So Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I try, I try to be prepared, I guess. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's doubly funny because Preeti is the one in our money league that's most notorious for forgetting to set her team. You think oh, yeah. having a guy like you around the apartment... It would be a constant reminder to her to just get it together. No, no. I think whatever Rain Man-like aspect, you know, <laughs> of my personality that is that causes me to do that is uh, <clears throat> fortunately not contagious. All right. So, Ben, you are uh, your team name. Let's start with your team name, Thierry Ennui. Very clever. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I mean... <laughs> If if I had to make any comment on your team name, I might suggest you pick a player that still plays in the Premier League. Yeah, I actually came up with what I think is a, a better team name, but it was after the, the season had already started, so I figured I I would just leave things sure. as they as they are. But just just like Jamie Vardy drinking his port uh, out of his Gatorade <laughs> bottle, you are refusing to upset any any rhythms that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's been working so far, and uh, so why not just? I mean, leave I, it I, <laughs> I I can't really I can't really uh, say anything because my team name is is named after a contestant on the Great British Bake Off, so it's <laughs> it, it's, it's it's not like I speak from any great authority. It's um it's kind of funny the the idea for the team name. Um, I'll just tell you a brief story. Uh, uh, Ten years ago, Jesus, I went to Europe with a bunch of friends, and we arrived in Paris uh, for the Champions League final, which was Arsenal and Barcelona. And at the time, I think Thierry Henry was playing for, for Arsenal. Um, it was when Ronaldinho was on, on Barcelona's team. And so we went out to a bar near you know the hostel we were staying in to watch the game. And I believe Barcelona ended up winning that game because as we were walking home, we saw this Frenchman just by himself, um, looking despondent, and he was just repeating to himself, "Terry Henry, Terry Henry, Terry Henry." <laughs> <laughs> My God, that, that is, uh, that's jarring. Yeah, and so it was sort of a running joke that the dude was suffering from Terry Henry. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Arsenal, you're already you're doubled up on them in the back. You've got Peter Cech in goal and Lauren Koscielny in the back. So that's. That's a fantastic rotation. We're going to actually zero in on Arsenal defense here in one of our key mm-hmm. topics in the podcast. So nothing you need to change there. However, uh, on your bench, you've got 
Jordi Amat and uh, another Swansea defender, Stephen Kingsley. So what do you yeah. do about this situation? <laughs> well, the the team that I currently have it um, is my wild card team. Um, I decided I wanted to to bring in a bunch of guys who I thought were uh, both going to rise in price and also had you know like a nice run of fixtures going on. And my logic behind doubling up on the fearsome Swansea defense was that because they're cheap starters. You know, there's a chance that they'll rise in price because people will bring them into their teams to enable, you know, an upgrade okay. somewhere else. Okay. And um, if I picked three defenders, you know, who have pretty decent fixtures, you know, for the next month or so, that, you know, I could then worry about that problem later. And it would sort of resolve itself as I transfer out, you know, someone who gets injured and, you know, uh, upgrade one or the other of them to hey, a. Uh, maybe. Maybe Bob Bradley is going to help you out with Stephen Kingsley getting back into the rotation. But as you're saying, like cheap starters, they they make cheap bench players as well. So that that affords you. You've got Koscielny, Holabas, and Ashley Williams. That's your full starting defensive line. And your rota- your rotation with the goalkeeper is Jordan Pickford and Peter Check. So Pickford, I love talking about this guy. He actually just got called up for the. England senior squad because Heaton had to leave camp with an injury. So all of us Pickford owners are feeling fantastic. That means that A, he's not injured anymore. He'll be up to 100% by game week eight. And the guy is getting that like Jack Butland level respect from England and uh, the Premier League. So that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great rotation there. Not that you'll ever play Pickford over Peter Cech. Not at least in the no, the near term. I figure if at some point I want to shift away from the double arsenal defense, you know, then I can. Uh, I'll decide which one of Kozielny and Chech I'll hold on to, and uh, you know, Pickford is is a great second keeper to have. Yeah, your midfield pretty strong. Uh, Sterling, Firmino, Alexis Sanchez, Balassi, and uh, the almighty Etienne Capou. <laughs> so nothing nothing you really need to tweak there. Uh, Raheem Sterling is flagged seventy five percent. Um, it's really unclear what his assessment is earlier earlier in this international break, but I I would guess he'll be back in the starting lineup there for Man City come the weekend. Yeah, it seems like um, from what I'm reading, a lot of people think this is um, he's not actually injured. He just doesn't feel like playing. <laughs> a lot of people really don't like Raheem Sterling, so I don't know if they're giving him the benefit of the doubt there. But um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. Uh, your front line, Troy Deeney, Sergio Aguero, and Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku also has a flag, but uh, we see he traveled this weekend for the next Belgium qualifier. So they didn't send him home. So he clearly doesn't have anything that wrong with him. I mean, he's kind of been suffering with a toe problem long term, but it doesn't look like it's going to diminish his starting starting chances. I mean, uh, in game week eight, Everton plays Man City, so they're going to have to have Big Rom healthy for that. Uh, another topic we're going to get to later on in the podcast is uh, top-tier strikers that we might want to rotate in, and you're playing mm-hmm. without uh, Zlatan. You feeling good about yeah. that decision so far? You know, it, it makes me nervous because his stats, are they seem like they're pretty good, and the guy has you know this reputation of being like this destroyer of worlds. I think he's probably one of the more popular you know, soccer players on earth. Um, and not, so, earth, not just earth, Ben, like, like the, <laughs> the Milky way. 
I'm not willing to go further than the Milky Way, but but within the galaxy, yeah, yeah he's pop. He's pretty popular. We've been receiving Zlatan memes from uh, the Horsehead Nebula. I think <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. You should post those to Twitter, Ben. <laughs> I should. I should. <laughs> All right, so that is that's your squad in a nutshell. Just to give people a sense of, of where you're coming from, once again, eighty eighty ranked eighty first in the Hail Cheaters Super League. That's not bad. So, speaking of the international break, we we're talking about Pickford getting the call up, Lukaku traveling with Belgium. There is uh, an insane number of Premier League players who have been active in goal scoring just just over the first round of qualifying. World Cup qualifying fixtures, and we're recording this before people play on Tuesday, so there are surely mm-hmm. more goals to come. But then I just thought I'd run quickly through all of the players in the league who have uh, bagged at least a goal um, in, for their international teams. So uh, buckle your seatbelt. Are you sitting down? I'm locked and loaded. Okay. So Bel- Belgium, Hazard, Lukaku, and Toby Alderweireld, all, uh, they all scored in their first qualifying match. Payet keeps up his run of form. Now, I think we still have questions about that West Ham team. Is Payet going to just do it all on his own week after week? But he scored a goal against Bulgaria. Sturridge and Deli Ali, and Deli Ali is really the more intriguing option. Uh, he looked very good. There. Yeah, the last uh, game week. So, so good. They both scored against Malta, the uh, the mighty Malta. <laughs> Arnatovich, and we're going to talk a little bit about Stokes' incredible run of fixtures coming up in the next five weeks. Uh, he bagged a brace against Wales, and Wales, as we know from the Euros, not a pushover. Poor Kurt Vimmer, he can't get in the Spurs lineup, but there he is scoring an own goal uh, <laughs> against his team. We feel He's for just you. trying to get noticed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, he, he got his mention on the Always Cheating podcast, so that's a start. Uh, speaking of Wales, Joe Allen continues his scorching Welsh Javi uh, form. He scores against Austria. Sadly, though, Sam Vokes did not get on the score sheet. Still, still a bit of a drought going on for Mr. Vokes. Vincent Jansen, another Spurs player. He scored for the Netherlands against Belarus. Seamus Coleman scores for Ireland against Georgia. Ivanovic, the oft-forgotten, uh, once great FPL asset, he and Tadic both scored for Serbia against Moldova. Gilfie Sigurdsson with a dramatic injury time winner against Finland. Stephen Davis, I know you love Stephen Davis, Ben. Dude, I mean, what, come on. What can Gilfie. you say about it? <laughs> Tony Valencia, Manchester United's fullback, he scores a goal against Chile. Uh, Alexis did play the full 90 in the 3-0 decimation at the hands of Ecuador. So you follow South American football more than most. How do you feel sure. about Alexis going the full 90, not scoring, and, and just not a good showing for them against Ecuador? No, and he blanked last week, too. Um, you know, I know that because I captained him. Ultimately, I think he's shown us enough over the last... Like this is his third season in the Premiership. That I'm not totally worried about it. it. It seems like he's it's it's inhuman the amount of minutes that he plays. I don't think he's had a summer off. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but he always wants to play, and he always seems to show up. So I'm not I'm not terribly worried. I just think he's 
like uh, Ivan Drago once said, he's not a man, he's a piece of iron. He is a piece of iron. Yeah, I mean, it could be one day he just, uh, because of all the minutes he's played in succession, just has some sort of nasty career-ending injury. But yeah, I, I I think it's right that this is just a guy who is a piece of iron, and he, he can play as many minutes as he wants, and then the game will never change for him. Uh, now we get we get to your beloved Argentina, Funes Moray, the forgotten Evertonian man. He scores against Peru. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you watch any of this game? I uh, didn't get to watch these actually, unfortunately. Aguero did play. He he played seventy five minutes, but as we were mentioning, it looks like he's not going to suit up for their match against Paraguay. I think it is. Yeah. So I yeah I think we both feel the same way that that only bodes well for his position going into the Everton match. It's probably just uh, cautionary. Uh, Firmino and Coutinho both scored for Brazil against Bolivia. And uh, then we move into the Asian market, and Hongming San continues to be on fire, scores the game-winning goal for South Korea against Qatar, and also um, Ki Sung Young of Swansea. They both scored in that match. And we love him. We love to tat him. Have mercy. <laughs> Dia mercy. Mbakani. He scored two goals against Libya. And for Nigeria, Ian Nacho and Awobi. Awobi, uh, they both scored for Nigeria. And Awobi, he continues to be a guy that has to be on our radar when we're shopping for Arsenal midfielders. No big injury concerns uh, as we go into the second half of the international break. I mean, like Bellerin, he's reporting it back for duty. He had a little bit of a scare in that under-21 Spain match, but it looks like he's going to suit up again for them this week. Lukaku, again, traveling with Belgium. Jordan Pickford got called up. Sterling, you were saying, Ben, pretty sure he's healthy. Uh, And uh, another Englishman, Ryan Bertrand, he was sent home. And uh, Arsenal fullback Gibbs got the call up. So we were touting, me and Stephen last week on the pod, we're really touting Ryan Bertrand, and he's looking really good for that Southampton defense. But uh, there is some concern surrounding that injury uh, to him that got him sent home. So that is a, that's a rundown of the big headlines from the international break. And there's, there's more to come that we'll probably miss between the time this podcast goes up and all the uh, remaining international matches are played but let's take a quick break ben we're going to come back and tackle some topics we're going to compare uh do some stat stats comparisons with arsenal and tottenham defenders while we go uh shopping for those teams ahead of their great uh, fixture runs then we're going to talk about top tier strikers compare some stats there and game week eight's coming up we're going to preview game week eight and talk about aguero's chances going into his historically bountiful uh game week all right we're back and ben our first big topic is comparing arsenal and tottenham defenders these guys have the two best defenses in the league and to boot some great fixtures coming up starting in game week eight arsenal is looking at swansea middlesbrough sunderland before the um north london derby and spurs have West Brom, Bournemouth, and Leicester, which could be a dicey fixture, but you still have to like their chances at keeping a clean sheet. But uh, a lot of people asking about the prospects in these defenses. Alex on Twitter, at Alex Waterbaby, asks, how big a hit is too big a hit for a restructure? I'm considering a minus eight for Arsenal Spurs players. And also Anders on Twitter says, is Toby and Mustafi worth minus eight? 
planning on keeping them the rest of the season. So here's a philosophical question for you, Ben. Do you mm-hmm. how do you feel about burning transfer hits, be it long term or short term? I'm not a you never take a hit kind of guy because you know sometimes I think it's the best of a bunch of bad options, but I don't think I've ever taken a minus eight. Um, I've lost too many head-to-head matchups by a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it 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 scares me. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think I've taken a minus eight once in the like seven years of him playing FPL, and I don't think it really worked out for me in the short term. If you're gonna do minus eight and you're playing it for a long-term bet, you know it's it's not the best strategy. But it's not indefensible. I, I think if you if you feel like you've got a solid plan and it's going to make you have a little bit more fun going into the next game week, then sure, go for it. But uh, definitely not recommended per se. It's kind of hard to to give an answer on that without having a little more context. You know, like who who would you play if you you know only brought one of these guys in, for example. Yeah. Defense um, defense is really tough in the short term too, because I mean. Who's to say that Swansea isn't going to get a clean sheet against Arsenal? I mean, I mean, we, you and me, we are to say, Ben, that they won't. <laughs> but you just never know. And if you end up burning four points to bring in Mustafi and, you know, Lorente gets the, the second of the only two goals he's going to score this entire campaign against them on some sort of fluke, fluke thing it's really going to stick in your craw so if you can stretch that transfer plan over the course of two weeks and save yourself burning that minus four just have exercise a little bit of patience i don't i don't think the the value of i mean say mustafi for instance his value is not going to jump by more than 0.1 in the next two weeks if i had to guess guys like kyle walker maybe are stand to to jump in value a little bit higher than that all right, so speaking of more information, Ben, I've actually pulled some stats for us to look at the back four, the starting back four for Spurs and the starting back four for Arsenal. And uh, we've got some interesting numbers here. So if you're looking at uh, just attacking potential, so this is an argument for fullbacks versus central defenders. Central defenders getting clean sheets. Uh, they're going to be getting BPS solely on clearances and tackles and uh, just cleans, whereas attacking fullbacks, the likes of Bellerin or Kyle Walker, they are charting stats like touches in the final third. So mm-hmm. let's look at uh, the stats for touches in the final third for these uh, eight defenders for Arsenal and Spurs. The clear winner here is Hector Bellerin with 213 touches in the final third over the last seven game weeks, and that is the highest by a mile. The next closest defender is Nacho Monreal with 147 touches in the final third, so 213 compared to 147. Uh, What that tells me more than anything is that Arsenal's fullbacks are are far more involved in the final third than Spurs fullbacks are. And Kyle Mm -hmm. Walker, he has 112 touches in the final third. That's still uh, Nacho Monreal is a far less sexy player than Kyle Walker, but still he's he's kind of trouncing Walker there with the touches in the final third stat. Um, I think I'm still you know like I've I've got Cozy Elney. Um, 
I I'm, I think I'm going to stick with with Arsenal. Um, I do eventually want to get a Spurs um, defender in. I think the only thing that's giving me pause is that you know the, the next two fixtures are great, but then they have Leicester and then Arsenal after that. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it would be a little premature. You know, I'm, I'm hoping they just don't. Um, I'm scared of not having Kyle Walker, you know, because of um, the the extent that he's involved, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. In the, in that attack, but yeah, if it, it, yeah, I mean, talking about touches in the final third, it it's his Kyle Walker's uh, chances created are he's created seven chances over the last seven matches, and that's the same number of chances that Hector Bellerin has created himself, also seven. So. I guess if I can create my own stat of chances created per touches in the final third, Kyle <laughs> Walker is walking away with that award. Like it, it seems like when Kyle Walker gets the ball in the final third, he has the best odds of all these defenders of creating a chance. So yeah, it's just like you're saying, Ben, like the, the scariest guy here could possibly be Kyle Walker. Yeah, and he also has the benefit of being, I think Bellerin is up to what, like six, six now. Yeah, Kyle Walker is uh, at five nine still, and then uh, Bellerin six point five. But yeah, I don't see that staying six point five for much longer. Everyone's going to be gunning for him with uh, with the, this all this Arsenal transfer buzz. Yeah, so I feel like you know, given given the stats and given that he's cheaper now, and you know that other than Leicester and Arsenal, they have some pretty good matchups. You know, in the next two, and then down the road. Yeah, and I think I would be tempted to go with with Walker over Bellerin if I was looking to get, you know, one of those two guys into my team right now. Uh, I mean, and to further the percentage of chance created by touches in the final third, Walker also has two assists on the season versus Bellerin's just one. So again, Walker's percentage of conversion percentage of of creating chances and then getting assists is is just that much better than the more expensive Bellerin. Now, talking about central defenders, there are some interesting stats here. Tackles one percentage. Jan Vertonghen is walking away with this one at 87.5%. Just a ridiculous level of uh, tackles one for him in the center of that Spurs defense. And, I mean, the next best uh, performer is Mustafi for Arsenal, and he's winning 70.6% of his tackles. So Vertonghen... You'd you'd expect to see him rack up a number of bonus points in the upcoming good fixtures for Spurs if he if he continues that. I did a comparison just Vertonghen versus Alderweireld, and if you do a full like stat by stat full on comparison between the two, which you can do at the Fantasy Football Scout website, mm-hmm. I mean, Alderweireld is still the overwhelming favorite. I mean, he is he gets a sixty percent overall ranking to to uh, Vertonghen's 40%. And it really is all the key stats for Alderweireld are in his involvement in the attack, touches in the final third, his goal threat, his goal attempts. His distribution is slightly better than Vertonghen's. It's really the out-and-out defending where Vertonghen's stats start to look a little bit better than Mm -hmm. Alderweireld's. But I think we might be getting a little too in the weeds uh, in that sense. It, it might just be a matter of whoever's cheaper for you, whoever fits into your budget. Yeah, I think ultimately 
Um, for me, what it boils down to is, yeah, how much money I've got to play with and, uh, you know, how the fixtures look. <laughs> I, um, I don't really do too much of a deep dive on, um, on defensive stats when I'm looking at this. I, like, I try to pay attention to the chatter that yeah. I hear around it, you know? Right. And I guess I sort of blindly trust that other people know what they're talking about. So, yeah, usually for me what it boils down to is, you know, is the, is the guy nailed on? You know, does the team have good fixtures coming up, and, and can I afford right. him? Right. And that'll that'll really be the, the determining uh, criteria for me. Well, then you're really going to love this, Ben, because I did a stats comparison between Mustafi and Koscielny. Uh I was surprised to see that Mustafi, uh, just stacking the stats, comes out well ahead of Koscielny, particularly in his involvement going forward. I, I think Koscielny just benefits from actually scoring goals. But if you look at uh, like putting in crosses, Mustafi's registered five crosses. He's got far more touches in the final third. He's mm-hmm. got 18 touches oh, yeah. versus Koscielny's three touches. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's remarkably efficient with the ball when he gets it in attacking areas. He's, he's not losing percentage a lot. Like those touches in the final third, Mustafi is... Uh, they're successful for him 90% of the time compared to Koscielny only 75% of the time. And defending, it's it's kind of a dead heat between the two, but still Mustafi comes out ahead. He's putting in far more tackles than Koscielny is, 17 versus uh, Koscielny 6 over the, the early season stats. And his set-piece threat, too. I mean, even though Koscielny is getting the goals, he's got two. Um Mustafi is actually getting, according to these stats, getting his head on the ball more uh, more often than Koscielny is. So you'd have to think that Mustafi is due a goal. And I'm probably going to bring Mustafi in just because mm-hmm. I like the numbers. I do like just how he passes the eyeball test for me. And I think he will be he'll, – he'll, he'll be scoring a goal here pretty soon for Arsenal. I mean, as I already have – Koscielny, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, would you take a Koscielny uh, assist to Mustafi? How about that? Can I sell sure. you on that? Yeah, sure. I'll, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So, <laughs> um, I've sort of made my bet with um, with Koscielny. So, um, the, the thing about Koscielny too is, I feel like every season he's going to give away at least two penalties. He's got a he's got a red card or two in him. So there's sort of that lingering threat. With Koscielny, even though he's a class player, he's just always so committed to challenges that when yeah, he's one goes wrong, view. it just goes wildly wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the guys who actually really do score goals, not these mm-hmm. defenders, but um, top-tier strikers. We talked a bit about strikers last week on the pod, me and Steven co-hosting, and we did get some blowback from that podcast because we laid down a lot of hatred. Uh, on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the great the great Ibra experiment is not going as well as we all hoped it would be thus far, and I think so goes the feelings about Jose Mourinho and Manchester United. So goes our opinion of Zlatan, and uh, I did get a uh, somebody reaching out on Twitter, Harry Halslem. He he sent me a tweet saying, "Couldn't disagree on Ibra more. His shots on goal stats are unparalleled." And he's adapted to the Premier League. He's just painfully unlucky. So, I mean, I I really appreciate Harry reaching out there as well as some other people on the Reddit thread, too. And and we may have been hasty 
And Ben, you kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit, how the malaise or just the the agita from a really bad coming off of a really bad game week makes you have even more um, strident opinions on players like Ibra, particularly ones that are costing you so much money. Yeah, because, um, you know, like you were talking about earlier, when you when you take hits, you know, um, to, to bring this guy in, um, people kind of get the idea that they're sort of due the points, you know, because they moved heaven and earth to uh, to get this guy who was, you know, supposed to get it for them. And then when that doesn't end up happening, it's almost kind of funny to me just because I don't know if it's just like a fundamental difference in like the way people approach the fantasy sports that I'm more uh, used to like baseball or, or basketball or what have you, but they really take it hard when, you know, the guy that they pick does not pay off. Um, and you start getting those comments where people are like, why do we even try? You know, I put all this effort into it right. and it all came, you know, crashing down around me. Why even bother? I think, um, it's, it's kind of amusing in a way, but I also understand <laughs> the sentiment because, you know, it is pretty frightening when there's a guy who, you know, everyone believes is due and everyone else owns him like Ibrahimovic. And, you know, if he does, you know, have a big game, it could pretty much put you behind the eight ball for the rest of the season. Okay. So you're, have you had Ibra at all this season? Did you get rid of him during a wild card? Yeah, I started off with him. Um, and then I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what my thinking was. Um, I know I wanted to, I think Lukaku, cause Everton had that, really nice uh, run of fixtures. Um, I decided that I was going to hope Lukaku at least kept pace with Ibrahimovic. um, And then I'd look into bringing him back in later. Um, I don't hate the guy. And now looking at these, these stats that you've put together. um, (laughs) Yeah. Ibra kind of dominates these stats uh, in many respects. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Just looking at touches in the penalty area, Ibra has 69 touches there. Diego Costa is relatively close at 64. But outside of that, uh, I mean, it's it's Lukaku at 46 or Christian Benteke at 48 that, that uh, are even trying to get close to Zlatan's 69 touches in the box. It, uh, what, what's, just ki- what's killing him, as um, Harry astutely mentioned on Twitter, is his conversion rate is just absolutely abysmal right now. And yeah. whether that's just down to bad luck or he's he's getting his shots on target, but they're right at the goalkeeper, his uh, his goal conversion rate is just 10.5%, and it's the lowest of all these stats that I pulled. So I'm looking at stats for, I guess, any striker that we would conceivably be thinking about transferring in right here going into game week eight. I'm looking at Rashford, Lukaku, Ibra, Jermaine Defoe, Troy Deeney, Diego Costa, Christian Benteke, Charlie Austin, and Sergio Aguero. I'm sure I'm missing your favorite player out there, listener, and I do apologize to all you Berahino heads, but uh, <laughs> this is who we're looking at. And yeah, goal conversion, Ibra is, is the worst by far of, of all those guys at 10.5. How do you, how do you think the Ibra is going to do against Liverpool? I mean, it's, a, it's impossible to predict. I accept that, Ben. But if you had to look into your crystal ball. <laughs> um, well, Liverpool, you know, they haven't really impressed me defensively. Um, I know I was thinking about bringing in um, one of their defenders. I think Dejan Lovren on my wild card. 
but they haven't really shown anything in that respect. I don't think they've had any clean sheets, or if they have, it's it's only been like one. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think they've had. Yeah, I, I don't quote me on that. But yeah, jo- Josh is feeling that pain. He brought in Loris Carius on his wild card, and like against Hull, they gave up a goal against uh, a ten man Hull City, and Liverpool, even if they they start to figure things out. It seems like they just have a silly goal in them every 90 minutes. Yeah. And I think they kind of just have this sort of approach where they're not worrying so much about trying to prevent goals so much as they're trying to put, you know, four past the team that they're playing. So I, I don't think if I had to, you know, put my money where my mouth is, I wouldn't think that man United are going to win that game, Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Ibrahimovic, you know, actually did score a goal or maybe two. Right. Um, you know, just because he seems like he is due and they do sort of seem, you know, he is the focal point of that, of that Man United offense. So, right. Right. Okay. Going back to this goal conversion stat, Ibra at 10.5 highest on this list. It's actually Marcus Rashford on United, uh, with a 30% goal conversion rate. So that's like almost triple the conversion rate of Ibrahimovic. But, um, I mean, would you consider going in for Marcus Rashford just just to make a deal? You know, I was I was thinking about it. I think the the week after my my wild card because I brought in Troy Deeney. You know, Watford had a nice a nice um, run of fixtures happening, um, but since I already had uh, Kapui, I thought you know why not try to diversify you know the, the teams in in my offense. Right. But it seemed like his playing time was still too much up in the air. So I thought I would play like a kind of a wait and see. Approach. If I had to um, to go with a United striker, I think I would still go with Ibrahimovic. You know, yeah. I would have to try to figure out how to get the the money for him. But yeah. uh, I went ahead and used the fantasy football scout comparison tool again to compare Ibrahimovic just to Diego Costa, who mm-hmm. has uh, a much better conversion rate, but. Ibra in every other aspect like blows Diego Costa away just looking at the stats. Um, but this is one where I feel like the eye test versus the stats test. Uh, and maybe I just have really bad eyesight. Costa's <laughs> Costa's just such such a great option right now. His goal conversion rate, 27.3%. He's scored six goals. He's the leading goal scorer in the league right now. Minutes per goal is uh, 108, which is um, only bettered by Romelu Lukaku at 100 and Sergio Aguero at 91.2 uh, minutes. Costa, to me, is uh, one you definitely want to be bringing in if you've got some money to spend up front. I was impressed with him the first year that you know that I was playing. I think was his first year with Chelsea, and um, he's just such a beastly man. He reminds me of. Um, you know, Blanca from the old Street Fighter games. Like, he's just this <laughs> yeah. bruiser, like, kind yeah, of he'll, he'll, he'll electrify, he'll electrify himself. <laughs> hit that B button fast enough. Yeah, yeah. And he's he just seems like a scrapper. Um, you know, this is all high test stuff. But yeah. I, I like Costa. I wish I, you know, if I felt better about Chelsea, I think I would definitely be looking to get him in. I think my main concern is where, where that club is right now because they're all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sergio Aguero, his stats are a, a little um, deceiving because he did have that lengthy ban after throwing an elbow in Winston Reed's face. But 
you know, he really needs to come up big like Ibra in the next couple of game weeks, given his price tag. He's got five goals on the season, three of which are penalties. Now, a goal is a goal is a goal, but we expect uh, we expect Aguero to have a lot more chances from open play or conversions from open play. His goal conversion rate so far this season, 19.2%. So he's not really blowing anyone away. No, and he, he looks like he's lagging behind, you know, Guys like uh, like Lukaku, yeah. like uh, Costa, Troy Deeney even, um, <laughs> are uh, all have better conversion rates than than Aquero right now. I think it's um, and this this kind of relates to to our next point. It's that you know he can he can come up big and traditionally, or at least in the last couple of seasons, um, he has put up big uh, game week eight. Yes, yes, for sure, legend legendary game weeks like. Season-changing game weeks. Um, I mean, before we move on to just talk about Aguero whole hog, I don't want to give short mm-hmm. shrift to these these dark horse strikers like Jermaine Defoe, Troy Deeney, and Charlie Austin, Christian Benteke even. I mean, the interesting stat about Christian Benteke is the big chances missed stat, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's zero. He's shown his total dominance in the air, in the box, so yeah. fans can continue to get crosses into him. But uh, minutes per goal, he's up to uh, 154.7 minutes between every goal. So you, you can't count on Benteke to score week in, week out. You're going to have to be patient with him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as third striker options go, he's probably near the top of the list in terms of who I would want to bring in if I had the money. What you about know, Jermaine Defoe? How are you feeling about Jermaine Defoe? That Sunderland team is like toxic waste, don't touch it. Um, you know, his just looking at his stats, um, he's got a decent conversion rate. Looks like at nineteen percent, which is just like a hair below Lukaku or uh, Aguero. Why well, I keep wanting to call Aguero Lukaku? Are talking about this? Maybe Lukaku's in my head a little bit right now. <laughs> he tends to stay there once he once he gets there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, he's also got like like him and Ibrahimovic both have five big chances missed, and with Ibrahimovic you see that reflected in his low conversion rate. But it seems like Defoe he's missed some big chances, even though he's still converting at a pretty good clip. So that mm-hmm. you know you could conceivably see that you know see him start to put uh, more goals away with uh, the way things look right now. The last the last stat uh, we'll we'll talk about shots off target. It does make me laugh a little bit. 14 shots off target for Zlatan compared to, you know, like Marcus Rashford, four shots off target, Lukaku, four shots, four shots off target. I mean, oh, yeah. at, least Eber's, at least Eber's shooting. He's trying to create these goal scoring opportunities, but uh, he's going to just, he just needs to keep that uh, howitzer on target and maybe we'll see a few more goals from him. Yeah, he has more shots off target than on target, which looks like is the exception. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to Sergio Aguero. So we're coming up on game week eight, and on Twitter, AMHA9 United reminds us, shall we trust the Aguero game week eight myth and captain him? And we're remembering the 2014-15 season in which I believe it was against Spurs. Aguero put four goals past them at White Hart Lane, and then last season against Newcastle. He scored five goals in the span of about 30 seconds and almost systematically destroyed uh, Twitter. It was really insane. <laughs> so City is at home to Everton. 
how how do you see the how do you see Aguero putting more than one or two goals past that Everton defense, even though they're at home? I mean, the like the likes of Ashley Williams and uh, and uh, Jack Yelka, they're not going to stand for that. They've been they've, <laughs> and they've been pre, they've been they've been pre keeping it decently tight back there. I know Jack Yelka. He he's suffering from some sort of injury. It's unclear to me how serious it is right now. But Funes Mori, Argentinian, we mentioned earlier in the pod, coming off yeah. a great goal uh, during his international travels. I think he could slot in for Jagielka. Different kind of player than Jagielka, but still. Yeah, I think I was reading that he was he was upset too about the lack of playing time that he's got since they brought in Ashley Williams. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're Funes More, you have to you had to have felt like you were on the ascendancy in that starting eleven. He made a number of mistakes last season, but he was still a good goal scorer for them, and yeah. I think he was growing into uh, a good partnership with Jagielka. And then in comes Ashley Williams of all people to just oust him, oust him from his spot. It was a weird one. Well, Williams was he was solid for for Swansea, wasn't he? I think. Um, oh yeah, total total beast for Swansea. And, and a bonus I mean, point it, magnet too. Yeah, I mean it, it was all a great sign up for Everton, and I think he does improve the back line over Funes Mori. I guess it's just a little twisted because you didn't feel like there was a huge um, crack to paper over there by bringing Williams in, but it is it is a something that makes them a little more intimidating. So I I am really scared that Aguero won't be able to keep up this game week eight legend. Yeah, I think if there was like an absence of other like captaincy options, I mean, you're still going to play Aguero. But I think the question is whether you you captain him against Everton or you you look at somebody else. It's, it's a real captain conundrum. It's the second week in a row where it's, <laughs> there's no real clear option uh, for us. So tell you what, Ben, uh, I think we should take a quick break and then we can come back and give a proper preview to game week eight we'll talk about who we might actually want to captain going into game week eight and where we do think some clean sheets are going to come from so we'll be right back Same old podcast, always all right ben we're back and uh, we were just talking during the break this has been and i don't know if our listeners would would agree but i feel like that we've had fewer digressions than we typically have on always cheating so before we ta- answer any more listener questions, Ben, I just want to know if there's anything else you want to talk about, anything that we can digress into. Well, I think it would be amiss of us not to mention the uh, the recent form of the, the Welsh Pirlo, as he has been called, the mighty <laughs> Joe Allen. I feel like... I feel like we need a definitive answer on this one. I've heard Welsh Pirlo. <laughs> I've heard Welsh Xavi. I've heard Welsh Iniesta. Uh, I've heard Welsh we know, Poku. We know he's Welsh. That yeah. we apparently can't refute. <laughs> that is so but, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Freddie Brown on Twitter actually says, am I seriously considering Joe Allen? Uh, there, a lot of our thoughts are with Stoke, too. Even Scott Gill on Twitter says, I know it's Stoke, but they have some great fixtures coming up. Any thoughts on Shakiri and the former man bun, which uh, anyone who listened to Always Cheating last year knows that we were obsessed with Arnatovich man bun, and the constant refrain was, is it the man or is it the man bun? <laughs> well, I think, so, you know, like Samson, you know, the, the bun is where he stores all of his prowess. 
<laughs> Imagine if that biblical story about Samson was Delilah <laughs> came in and cut Samson's hair, but she didn't stop there. She also uh, bleached it uh, to be a vibrant yellow color. What a what a weird story that would be. It would um, it would make for some more interesting illustrations in the the children's version of the of, of that particular Bible. Now it depends on how you play, and and Ben, I think you were telling me you're more of a form over fixtures guy. But let's just um, uh, humor everyone and run through this amazing run of fixtures for Stoke. They host Sunderland in game week eight. Then they have Hull, Swansea, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford, Burnley, and then they hit up against Arsenal in game week fifteen. So all things considered, that's a really good run of fixtures. But Stoke has proven to be among the worst teams in the league. So how far are we are we real, are we willing to go with guys like Arnie who have scored at least a brace during the international break as of this recording and Joe Allen now 2 and 2 scored for Wales and also scored for Stoke against United. You know, I'm I was thinking about bringing in one of their uh defensive assets. I wasn't really looking at you know, Allen or Shakiri or um, Arnautovich as um, as somebody I wanted to bring in. You know, like you like you mentioned, I usually want to see something before I, I bring somebody in. Right. Um, it, it looks like we're getting a little bit of that from you know Arnautovich, but it's you know it's happening in the international matches. It hasn't been happening in the Premiership just quite yet. And, and it it really is such a different game too when you show up to play for your international squad and you never know who's going to uh turn up as an opponent are they going to be well coached well drilled ready to play after just like four or five days of preparation uh having not watched that austria wales game i can't really tell you how good arnatovich looked but i did do some stats comparison real quick between joe allen and arnatovich and it is pretty pretty overwhelmingly in favor of Joe Allen and his involvement in the play just his his touches in the opponent's half and in the final third he's he's I mean by a slimmer margin than we've talked about earlier in the pod he's still beating Arnie um, minutes between touches it's 1.3 to 1.9 so all of the attack does at some point run through Joe Allen the the thing with Arnatovich though is when he's on he can be very clinical and I mean Joe Allen you can't argue with these hard stats two goals uh, to Arnatovich's one goal and both of those goals for Joe Allen came inside the penalty box and if Arnie is your your sort of de facto forward or striker even though he kind of plays out wide why why is he why is he being out touched in the penalty box by Joe Allen that that does confuse me a little bit so i feel like allen you're getting a bit of a deal there uh, for for a fourth tier maybe fifth tier midfielder if you've got money to spend in your midfield yeah i think if you know if you've got someone who's not really doing much for you at the moment you know i'm thinking of uh, yannick balazi on on my squad you know, he's been he's been solid. He's been involved in the attack, but the the stats, the fantasy stats, are just not showing up. I'm so and, bummed about that too, because Balassi looked like he was going to be. It would be like Stockton and Malone with Balassi and Lukaku. I thought that they were really <laughs> going to establish some sort of psychic connection, and maybe it was Lukaku robbing Balassi of his first Everton goal that destroyed that all for them. 
you know, they thought they had something good going and then it's, you know, the, the striker you thought you had was not, he was not the person you thought he was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another point in the column for Joe Allen is he is a corner taker. So, I mean, his assist potential just gets ramped up. The, the fixtures are so good that it, it makes their, their midfielders and Allen in particular really intriguing, even though as a team, they haven't really been performing. So yeah, if you've got, I don't know, some people are still, um, still have Redmond in their squads, you know, somebody who's in that sort of like six, you know, five and a half to six range that you're not happy with as a, as a fourth mid, I can see being talked into, you know, to picking up Allen if, um, you know, Arnautovich, I think, is still sorry. Arnautovich <laughs> is still a little pricey for uh, you know what he's shown so far. Yeah, I, I like. Think you're right. I, uh, I I'm intrigued by Shakiri as well. Uh, we just haven't seen enough of him this season to make a real judgment call on him. I feel like we talked about this endlessly last season as well. Like, oh, Shakiri is a great player. We really like him. We're just waiting for him to really hit form in the Premier League. So he's yet to do that for various reasons this season, and we I'm not going to commit to anything resembling Shakiri until I see something more from him. wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was I was looking at him, you know, if, if I was thinking of bringing back Ibrahimovic, I was thinking, you know, Shakiri, because he's only what six, three, um, and if for whatever reason he didn't want to go for Joe Allen. Um, he does free up a lot of money if you swap out one of your like you know mid price mids for for him to get that nice run of fixtures, and then that will free up the money to upgrade your front line. I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm looking at that quite yet. <laughs> All right, let's let's move away from Stoke. This conversation is kind of slowly killing me. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have another question on Twitter. Uh, this one comes from Dion Saunders at Dion Saunders. Uh, looking to offload De Bruyne as his value is wasted on the bench, who would you recommend as his replacement? So uh, we, we've, we've talked a lot about attackers and defenders this episode, but let's not forget about our, our, our very, very valuable midfield lineup. And De Bruyne, that's a hefty chunk of change that you can turn into something at 10.5. And it looks like he's still going to be out of Pep's lineup for a while. So... For me, I think immediately I have to look at Liverpool's midfield, specifically Firmino or Sadio Mane. And those will, those players uh, both look in form in that uh, Liverpool midfield is so enticing. And if you if you had to pick between Firmino and Mane, Ben, are you feeling one over the other? Well, I, I do have Firmino. And uh, I think just given like last year, he seemed like he was the most consistent offensive weapon that they had. Mane is, he's interesting. You know, he's a little pricier and he's an exciting player to watch. And I think he's got more explosive potential than Firmino does. Yeah. Um, but I think just based on, you know, what we saw last year, it looks like, you know, Firmino is always going to be involved in the attack. It's, it's a little bit of, of um, you know, Russian roulette with the Liverpool mids, it feels like. Like, um, no matter who you pick, they're going to be the one that doesn't score <laughs> that yeah, next week. It's so true. So I think you just have to pick one, you know, except that you're going to have, you know, some good weeks to go with some bad weeks and not try and guess who's going to score next. Firmino, I think, at his price is is a great option. You know, Mane, because he's a little pricier and so far hasn't really, um, at least in the um, Premier League, you know, 
points-wise, he hasn't really shown himself to be a cut above. I think I'd stick with Firmino or even um, Coutinho. I'm slightly confused by Firmino. His price is still at 8.4. I mean, uh, and and his net transfers out are more than 30,000 after a game week in which he scored 12 points. I'm not yeah. sure how to explain that one. And had a fantastic goal celebration, too. Um. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. If, if not if not Liverpool, Arsenal, I mean, Ozil is kind of doing his Ozil thing right now, but I think any week he could uh, find some sort of consistency. And, uh, of course, Walcott is a bit of a bandwagon right now, but still two guys, very affordable. If you can't um, get Alexis Sanchez into your budget from De Bruyne, I think Ozil and Walcott, both great ways to go. And then also staying in North London, Deli Ali and Hungming Sun, who we talked about these guys in the last episode of the pod. But um, Deli Ali looks like he's starting to step up and embrace the Harry Kane list starting 11 for Spurs. And he could really be a key man in the, in the next run of fixtures for them. Yeah, do we know? Has there been an update on how long Kane is going to be out? They are saying that they're trying to have him ready for the North London Derby, which would be in like four game weeks, I believe. Gotcha. Because, yeah, I don't have any Spurs attacking. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't have any Spurs players at all right now. And I kind of feel like I need to get someone in. Deli Alley really impressed me in that that last game. um, Was it they beat City, right? Yeah, they they smashed. They smashed Manchester City. They looked really good. And, um, you know, Sun has been a little more of the bandwagon player. He's a little bit cheaper. But I think if I can figure a way to get Deli Alley into my team, um, I would probably go with him just based on, you know, again, the, the old eye test. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. I totally agree with you. There's some sort of, even though I love Sun and he's, he's like the most on-fire person in the lineup, there's some sort of weird cosmic thing that's pulling me to Deli Alley over Sun. And uh, I can't quite explain it, but I can't deny it either. Yeah, sometimes the the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> and now, I mean, we ha- we have to suggest other replacements for De Bruyne in the Man City lineup. Raheem Sterling um, still looks great, and then Nolito is going to be back from his suspension in game week eight. And if De Bruyne is out, I feel like Nolito is just going to immediately slot right back into that midfield. I mean, I'm a little concerned about. Heavy midfield rotation as more Champions League fixtures come up, but Sterling or Nolito could be a ticket to goals and assists because City will be scoring goals in the next few game weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think the reason that um, you know I would probably go with with Deli Ali has more to do with my lack of uh, of Tottenham players. Um, right. You know, I think all of these guys are are pretty strong options if you've got. Aguero, you know, I'd, I'd feel less likely that you need to bring in Sterling or, or Nolito because you've already got their, you know, the main attacking threat for City. If you've you already got diversify got a Liverpool- your portfolio, exactly, exactly. Like if you've already got a Liverpool mid, I wouldn't bring in another one just because I feel it would drive you insane trying yeah. to anticipate which one is going to come through for you in any given week. <laughs> um, Walcott, Walcott for for his prices is, is pretty good, and he's uh, he's very involved in. In Arsenal's attack. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have the funds for Deli Alley, I think I would look in his direction. But um, yeah, I think Tottenham are just, they're playing really good football right now. And it, you know, the fact that I don't have any of their players on my team right now, I think is 
an oversight that I need to to take corrective action on. But that's, so it sounds like sounds like the definitive answer for Dion is maybe Deli Ali is the one you want. Yeah, that's the way I would go unless he doesn't have any city, you know, attacking right, coverage. Right, right, right. Okay, let's just do a full-on quick Game Week 8 preview so we can get our, our listeners set, get their team set. Now, if you have to pick one clean sheet for Game Week 8, Ben, uh, I think we're both in agreement on this one. It's going to be Arsenal, right? Arsenal yeah. are hosting a new Bob Bradley-led Swansea City you have to believe that Bob Bradley is going to want to focus his efforts on just not getting humiliated in his first day out going to uh, the Emirates. And they're probably going to try and play a little bit more defensive and uh, minimize the damage as opposed to trying to play some sort of open fluid style and put a few pass pater check on the rest of those uh, Arsenal defenders. So I think that this is just a very smart call here yeah yeah no i think you're right and i think swansea have just been it's sad because they were they were sort of a fun team to watch the last couple of years with um with my man gilfie you know kind of running the offense through him and for a little while wilfried pony was actually looking like a very solid third striker type before oh he went yeah to he, he had a sensational run when he was at swansea it all just fell apart for him after that transfer yeah and then swansea this year have just been it's been a very rough year for them. So yeah, I think with, you know, um, like you were saying with Bradley in, um, he's just not going to want to get destroyed. They're probably not going to be, you know, looking to attack very much. And, you know, against an Arsenal team that has a very stout, uh, defense anyway. So, and Spurs are away from home, but they are going to the Hawthorns to play West Brom. And I, I don't see how Rondon puts one over on, on Spurs this week, so there there's two obvious picks, but I think that they uh, we'd be remiss not to mention them. The captain picks, we're talking about the likelihood of us captaining Brock Toon going into uh, game week eight, and I think we're both shying away from that. I'm I'm kind of feeling like game week eight is a good differential game week, and there are there are some interesting options, particularly Charlie Austin and Troy Deeney. Uh, Watford is playing Middlesbrough. Uh, or Middlesburger, as I, I do like to refer to them. <laughs> and Southampton play Burnley at home. So I think these are both games in which, I mean, Burnley's coming off a pretty heroic defensive performance against Arsenal, but that's at Turf Moor. And I think you see a, a slightly different Burnley when they're away from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would pick Chaz to score a goal against Burnley. But those are those could be a bit of a gamble. I think... Ben, you have a, a a safer option for us. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just because um, you know, I think if I wanted, if I was feeling a little punty, you know, if I wanted to try to um, to make some hay, um, you know, move myself up in the rankings a little bit, I would be leaning more in your direction of um, you know, of picking a, a Dini or an Austin, um, someone who's not going to be highly captained. But I tend to play more conservatively, you know, when when I'm already doing decently. Yeah. Um, and so as it is, I think I I'm going to ignore the fact that he, he let me down last week and that he's coming off of, of playing uh, 90 minutes in the last game for Chile. And I'm going to go ahead and captain Alexis against um, 
against Swansea as well. I, I just like think um, he's just too good, you know, and um, and it's just such a nice matchup. They're going to be at home. Um, it, it it could be a, a completely brutal murder of Swansea and Bob Bradley's first <laughs> game out. I'm, I'm I'm really scared for him, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, I do like that call. All right, so transfers this week for me. I've actually already made my transfer, and yeah, okay. it was Luke Luke Shaw that had to be jettisoned. I was doubled up on that United defense. We were all really high on United's D earlier in the season, and they just haven't been able to keep it together back there. So. I still have De Gea and goal, but Luke Shaw, it's like a combination of he's he's kind of gotten on Jose Mourinho's bad side, and he's also suffering with some some uh, injuries, as he's wont to do. So I needed to get on board with some Arsenal defensive coverage, so I brought Mustafi in for Luke Shaw. And now I, now I feel like pretty, I'm pretty well set with Walker and Mustafi back there. That's a good duo to have. And those are definitely the two teams you're going to want defenders for probably for the rest of the season yeah now are you a, are you an early transfer man or a late transfer man when are you usually making your transfers ben well i i am an impulsive person <laughs> so sometimes and i've actually had to stop myself um as soon as the last game week ended i w- i knew what i was going to do i was going to bring in um snodgrass for for Balazi to free up I think like 0.3 or 0.4 million and then upgrade one of the dynamic Swansea duo I have at the back to a Stoke <laughs> defender. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. Probably. Uh, even big. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause they seem like very, you know, like Hull have a good set of fixtures coming up. Snodgrass has been playing, um, pretty great, um, uh, for them. It's true. Yes. It's and true. then, yeah. And then, you know, Stoke might, you know, fall backwards into a, into a clean sheet. Um, or they might just, you know, get their get their situation together back there. Um, and because they have such a nice run of fixtures, you know, you could do worse than having one of their guys this year yeah. as your rotating true. third. It's it's funny to say, but like Hull and Stoke, two of the worst teams in the league, have two of the best like extended fixture runs coming up. So I do think, yeah, Snodgrass, you can easily judge form over fixtures. He's been playing fantastically for them. Stoke, I'd be a little worried about. I mean, but but I mean, you you are in a particular situation as we discussed, doubled up on Swansea that you need, I think, just for your team value to get out of that hole. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to be playing it too close to the edge for uh, for too much um, longer. And you know, it's just smart to have a, a dependable fourth defender you can slot in there. So for a while, you know, I was determined that this was what this was what I was going to do. I had my two transfers. Okay. Um, I was going to you know get rid of Balazzi and um, pick up Peters. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> now what's um, changed your mind? Well, uh, part of it was actually listening to um, the podcast last week where you guys had discussed, you know, uh, the Spurs midfield. Uh-huh. And, you know, that combined with watching uh, Spurs dismantle City made me think that I, I need to try to get a, a Spurs player in. So the question is, you know, I have two transfers. I don't have any urgent uh, guys that need to be kicked out of my team. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do, I think I have the exact cash to bring in son for Sterling. And then I can upgrade one of my defenders to, um, Kyle Walker. And so that's tempting just because of, you know, the form that that team has. And because I'm, I feel like I'm currently exposed, uh, without having any of their assets. 
Ben, let's just think about this for a second. Your first <laughs> proposal was to bring in Snodgrass and Peters. <laughs> your second proposal was to bring in Sun and Kyle Walker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think we need to put a vote out there. I think the choice is clear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really the uh, the two transfers that the almost nothing transfers that absolutely nobody would get excited about. Uh, right, so you've got you've got a third option here. I, I can see in the running order that is yeah, probably worth some discussion. Yeah, this one is sort of the. Uh, the wild card, you know, I guess if you're feeling, you know, feeling a little, uh, little spry uh-huh. where I would bring in, um, Shakiri, you know, to free up a, a bunch of money, replacing Raheem Sterling and then upgrading Lukaku to Ibrahimovic. It feels like it's a little too bold <laughs> for <laughs> me, especially, <laughs> yeah, you know, part of me likes that because, but I think it's also possible to overthink these things where you're like, I'm in a zag where everybody else is zigging. And yeah. then you could do something completely disastrous, like, <laughs> <laughs> like bring in Shakiri, who really hasn't shown us anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Ibrahimovic, who could still, you know, has a, a tough couple of fixtures coming up. You All know, right. I feel I like have, uh, I have a feeling that I know what you're going to do, but uh, <laughs> keep, do, keep, do keep us posted. I, 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 mean, I mean, in all honesty, these are all decent, compelling options compared uh, uh, comparatively. Yeah, I feel like they just go, they run the gamut from like the extremely conservative, almost, you know, um, unimportant moves, yeah. you know, that really won't do anything, yeah. all the way to what on earth are you thinking? You know, your your first place in your mini league, don't yeah. do anything stupid. So uh, <laughs> maybe the sweet spot in the middle is where, yeah. where I should go. All right, before we get out of here, we actually got a late addition to the running order. It wouldn't be a, a Madison Boys podcast without your, without your brother, Ben, actually chiming in. So Lucian hit us up on Twitter, and he said, or he asked, can I be the official poet, poet laureate of always cheating? And I don't see why not. I mean, I don't think there's anybody else there clamoring to be poet laureate. I mean, your brother, Lucian, is, uh, he's a published poet. Uh, yeah, he uh, he actually. If um, I'm going to go ahead and brag on his part, um, he has a published uh, book out, and his um, second book was just accepted for for publication to come out in, in 2018. So yeah, he is a published poet. You know, I feel like the the prestige that having a poet laureate would bring to the league uh, makes this uh, a no brainer. You know, how many other leagues have a poet laureate? I think it could um, be huge for us. Yeah, I think it could be huge. <laughs> I mean, not only are we men of numbers, we are men of science, we are also men of letters. And Lucian really brings us some credibility there. And I love that Lucian is a is a real legitimate poet. He's uh, he's he's studied the craft. He's published himself, and he has such a poetic Twitter handle at the same time, which is Lucian Number One. <laughs> that was also his email address for a long time. <laughs> This is a fantastic guy. So are you guys really competitive? Because you both play in our money league. And like I said earlier in the pod, he beat you last year in our head-to-head. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, in addition to uh, being a man of letters, he's also one of the most creative and foul-mouthed trash talkers I've ever had the pleasure of. (laughs) He he always does have the the dirtiest, most euphemistic team name in our league, which I really appreciate. (laughs) 
it really skirts the border of things you can repeat on a family <laughs> podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, thanks to Lucian and thanks to you, Ben. It's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate taking time out to do this podcast while Josh is still on his patern- always cheating paternity leave. I think Josh is set to be back for our pod next week, but uh, but I've got to let you go, Ben, because I know you have to run to your band practice. Do you want to plug your band site or anything like that? I know you have an EP for sale. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so this uh, this band of mine uh, is something that I've been doing in my spare time while I've been going through grad school. Uh, we're called King Time. If you want to check out our um, our Bandcamp page, it's kingtime.bandcamp.com. And then, um, yeah, I have an EP that I recorded last uh, two years ago. Yeah, 2014, um, with some good friends of mine, and we're now actually you know playing. As a as a band, this EP was more of like a solo kind of project, and um, so there'll be there'll be more where that came from soon. We're tracking some stuff, so if you're if you like, you know, sad bastard country folk <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, indie music, you know, give it a listen, and uh, you know, maybe give me a tenth of a cent if uh, if you like it enough. I am a sad bastard, Ben. So I, this sounds very appealing to me. Uh, All right. It, does, it, it doesn't sound like we're going to be commissioning you to do a new "Always Cheating" theme song anytime, anytime soon. Well, you you never know. I can I can run it past the guys. <laughs> it just <laughs> probably wouldn't be as uh, actually maybe, charging. maybe d- depending on the game week. Maybe I do need a sad bastard intro <laughs> song as opposed to a really like high octane metal song. If I've had a really really piss poor game week. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Before we go, don't forget to subscribe to the Always Cheating Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review if you would be so kind at the iTunes store. It really helps us a lot. You can just leave a star review, write us a review, however you like. You can follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you want to write questions to us like you've heard throughout the episode, follow us on Twitter, at Cheaters, where you can reach out to us. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash alwayscheating. Hey, send us an email at hailcheaters at gmail.com and join the Hail Cheaters Super League. You can find that code at our website, alwayscheating.com. Just click the league, league tab. It's never too late to join and compete with me, with Ben, with Josh, and I'm sure it won't be long before Josh has his baby Quinn setting up a, uh, a ghost team on the FPL site. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks again, man. I hope it was fun. Hail cheaters. Yeah, hail cheaters, Brandon. Had a blast. All right. Embakani forever. Embakani forever. Oh!